Hello survivors and welcome to Handcrafted Medikit, an alien podcast by Resident Evil fans for Resident Evil fans. This is First Aid Spray bonus episode 18 and in this podcast recording studio nobody can hear us scream as we finally come face to face with one of pop culture's greatest threats in our look back at modern survival horror classic Alien Isolation. I'm your host Cy and joining me on Sevastopol Station this week, killing droids by bludgeoning, it's KDB aka Kelsey. Greetings, Earthlings. Game over, man. Game over. And then game over again. And then game over again. And game over... It's crikey, this game is hard. Fire button, Steve Valance. Uh, It's scary how well you know my experience. (laughs) Hello, everybody. And after waiting patiently for so long, springing into action from his overmorph with aplomb, it's Moist Owlet, a.k.a. James. Tut, tut. I learned that word recently. (laughs) (laughs) The subject of this bonus episode, like all others, was voted on by our Patreon backers. Support the show now to not only keep us afloat, but also to create new content. Select what that content is and hear it a month before everyone else. Tears begin at just $1 a month. Check out patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for the full breakdown. Uh, Shout out at the top of the show. Usually we will sprinkle in some music with our bonus episodes, but any chance we get to do a first aid spray classic and do like a file reading, uh, we will. And Alien Isolation has a ton of, I think what it calls them, text logs. But uh, shout out to Anna Raider for providing the voice of a fairly important background character for the game, Julia Jones, the journalist. She'll be reading a few text logs to break up this discussion. Uh, This is the follow-up poll the winner of the follow-up poll we did the the horror classic horror films and then immediately after that the next one was video games adapted from those films so i mean we won't mention the third one uh, but the thing video game was on there and it did get some votes but it did lose out to alien isolation it's a subject that we wanted to cover i mean alien in general for a long time of course uh seems like a, a fun way to start with alien isolation so game was developed by Creative Assembly. Uh, they'd had no experience at that point with the horror genre. You might know them for RTS titles like Total War, most famously. Uh, Sega, who owned Creative Assembly, purchased the rights to the Alien franchise for video games in 2006, uh, which led to the releases of Alien Infestation for DS in 2011. I don't know if anyone's played that, but apparently it's, you know, it's decent to success. Um, and then, of course, the absolute fuss to cluck that was Colonial Marines in 2013. <laughs> Um, you know, the less said about that, the better. But the Alien Isolation team saw the response to that and were excited because they knew their game was kind of more in line with what Alien fans were looking for. Uh, Alien Isolation released for Xbox One, Xbox 360, PS4, PS3 on October 7th, 2014. It's been subsequently ported to the, a strange array of consoles like Linux, Nintendo Switch, which kind of surprises me, and of all things, the iOS, which I actually looked up some videos. It's quite impressive, to be fair. It's not bad, yeah. Yeah, it's quite impressive. I'd recommend looking it up if you're curious. Uh, the original release was praised with decently high scores. Destructoid gave it 8.5. EGM and Eurogamer gave it 8. Some places less so. Polygon 6.5 out of 10. GameSpot 6 out of 10. Uh, IGN gave it 5.9 out of 10. And the game received several end-of-year awards. PC Gamers Game of the Year in 2014. It's quite a good one. Uh, audio Achievement at the British Academy Games Awards. And uh, Best Audio at the Game Developers Choice Awards. Metacritic scores for those original releases range kind of between 78% to 81%. So pretty good indeed. First place first is our previous experiences with the game. James, for most of this, you're probably going to get to go last. So I can make you squirm. <laughs> <laughs> Kelsey, did you play Alien Isolation on release? 
Uh, yeah, I played it about a month after it first came out. I Weirdly, I actually went to game to buy, don't judge me, uh, Call of Duty Advanced <laughs> Warfare on Xbox One. Nice. And I was at the till and the guy was like, oh, did you see uh, we've currently got Alien Isolation for half price? And this was oh, like less, less than three, you know, like three weeks after it came out. And I remember being instantly, instantly like, what? Half price. And he was like, yeah, it's a ridiculous bargain and the game is awesome. So... So I picked it up for like 22 quid because it, it was a few quid off of like the highest expense for a game at the time. Um, and yeah, so I got those two games. I think I spent like an hour playing Advanced Warfare and then moved straight into <laughs> Alien Isolation, which was infinitely better. Um, yeah, uh, I remember being pretty blown away, to be honest, but it was a nice bargain pickup for me really close to launch. Excellent. Uh, Steve, did you play the game at launch? I know you're a fan of the the franchise. So. I did, I did. Uh, as listeners may or may not know, I do run or have run a YouTube channel. Uh, we did a a first look of the first hour, and in that time, we did not even encounter the alien because we were going so slowly. Uh, <laughs> it was it was definitely a launch day pickup. I'm pretty sure because we were all like very like, oh yeah, alien, it's gonna be good. You see the trailers. And then we proceeded to go, what are we doing? Where are we going? And people just spent too long faffing around the um, torrents, just looking around all the time, so we didn't really get very far. Um, <laughs> after that, it was uh, a, uh, a not-recorded playthrough with my friend Spike, and uh, I, ha- I had them holding my hand the entire time because I'm a very brave boy, but not this time. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I probably got to it probably early 2016 maybe late 2015 i don't know i know i reviewed it for my old youtube channel um it was one of those things where it was like i'm not going to get it for this generation of consoles i want to wait till i've got my xbox one i want to enjoy i want it to be one of the earliest games that i play on that sort of generation of consoles um so yeah fairly soon after i got uh my xbox one i jumped on it and i seem to remember that yeah it was reasonably priced fairly early on. I think it's one of those games that goes on sale quite often. All, not all that long ago, it was free on um, what's what's the one that's not Steam called? Epic, Epic Game Store, mm. wasn't it? So it's one of those games that uh, is quite accessible in that way. Um, so yeah, I have played this uh, from start to finished, uh, but it has been yeah five, six years, seven years, or whatever now. Uh, so James, you played this on launch, I assume. What was that like for you? <laughs> surprisingly i didn't oh my god what yeah um so yeah i couldn't like i um my pc was really trash back then Mm. um so i like i could play it but you didn't want it good yeah like it i wanted the actual like the proper experience right so yeah so in march of 2016 a whole two years (laughs) wow um yeah after the game came out i'm really good at avoiding spoilers (laughs) <laughs> i i didn't have yeah so i didn't have the pc I, like my graphics card and my cpu was absolute trash um but yeah so but then in in 2016 i got a, a new graphics card and uh, i immediately played the game <laughs> for my youtube channel um yeah. and the my first playthrough is actually on my youtube channel of me like playing it for the first time in 2016 um if folks want to see my first reactions nice. to it but awesome. this game is is so unique in every run i feel like other than the environments that um each run feels quite new because of the ai of the the alien in fact i know that even the the speedrunning community at one point and they still do actually they have like a really hard time passing this game and going through it because huh. there's a lot of rng in it 
Mm. Um, but yeah, since 2016, I played this game numerous times on numerous platforms uh, and on my PC naturally. But this is again another surprise. This is only the second time I've completed this game. Nice. Okay. Interesting. Um, so I kind of like you. I was in the set where I was like, I saw it. They revealed it, and I was just like. I don't really want to see too much of this. I know I want to play it. Out of the Alien franchise, which I've, you know, dipped my toes into bits and pieces. I'm not like other people that, you know, I've not even seen all the films, let's put it that way. But the first film is my favourite, easily. When I saw that Alien Isolation was that kind of alien, I was like, yeah, I'm in. I don't need to know. I don't want to see too much. I just want to experience this properly. And maybe famously, not overly a horror game player, but I was like, yes, I have to experience this because it looks so good. Um... So I didn't really know what I was getting myself into when I played it. Uh, let's start with the gameplay, because I think that's a really important play. And James, you touched on bits and pieces there. It's like there's a lot to get into here. I think the most important thing really to talk about is, and we've already mentioned the term, uh, survival horror. This Is this or is this not a survival horror game? Steve, uh, you go way back with the genre. Would you define Alien Isolation as a survival horror? Oh, God, you put me on the spot. Uh, yeah, I, I am. I would say... Somewhere between a survival horror and an immersive sim. And that's only because of the way that the alien learns and responds to how you play. It's normally an im-sim is you adapt to the environment, but in this case, the environment adapts to you. Interesting. But also the, the way that you have to meet out supplies. There's, you know, instead of ink ribbons, it's like a delayed, not so immediate saving system. And there's save points as opposed to save anywhere. There, there is a correlation. Um, but this is obviously a bit more linear than... Uh, the mansion would be, you know, there's a set route that Ripley has to go. Um, right. So a push, yes, but with caveats. Yes, that, that that's fair. I see what you're saying. Kelsey, do you have a rebuttal to this? Would you define this as survival horror? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think this was... Um, this Alien Isolation kind of went out of its way to re-establish survival horror gameplay. Mm. And, you know, when it came out, it wasn't really like anything else that was out there or popular at the time um you know there's so many just action shooters like destiny and shadow of mordor call of duty obviously which i've mentioned right um, and i mean these... even in aliens case as i say this came a year after colonial marines which is just Ye- a big shootathon. yeah exactly and then resident evil 6 was a couple of years prior which mm-hmm. you know is again had moved away from survival horror um, uh, a week after Alien Isolation, The Evil Within came out, but you know I might touch on that again later. But um, yeah, as far as this game goes in survival horror, yeah, limited resources, analog save points. There is backtracking, revisiting other areas with new tools, exploring puzzles, like all those hallmarks of OG survival horror. Uh, and then it just kind of turns it up to eleven by dumping the, <laughs> the unkillable one-hit death stalker enemy that you're, and you're kind of presented with a gameplay experience that feels like classic survival horror but then in a way that hasn't really been done before thanks to uh this enemy mm. yeah it's funny playing this back sort of in the wake now of things like resident evil 7 like really feel a strong tie between this and resident evil 7 definitely uh, yeah yeah it's it's weird and i would define re7 as survival horror so, uh, you know, I think this is... And Steve, I certainly see what you're saying about putting like an asterisk next to it. But Kelsey, all those things you listed is uh, what, what makes it that for me. And it's one of those mind-boggling things where it's like, 
how we haven't had more of this kind of thing just mm-hmm. kind of I don't, I don't quite it, understand it, how it is I mean well, I'll, get, I'll get onto this a bit more later but the fact that we have like so many horror games where you can't interact with the opposition other than hide or die or it's a mm. shootout and this is that nice medley between the two with a variety of enemies it is infuriating that we don't get more of it like we get a million amnesia clones and we've got RE7 and this maybe village mm. if you squint you know, it, it, it yeah, it, it definitely has its own genre that needs to be filled and fleshed out more. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, I guess the, the next place to go immediately, since we've all a little bit touched on, is the the RNG, the Alien, uh, as a gameplay device. It is perhaps it might not, I don't know if you define it as the core thing, but it's it's the thing that sells the game is that you're going to be running and hiding, and as Steve just said, tr- maybe trying to fight off this single xenomorph. Uh, who is a one-hit death <laughs> kill machine. Um, that's sort of like the core loop. Uh, even though it does take a little bit of time to get there and there are parts of the game where it doesn't occur, that's obviously that's the big selling point. That's the reason when they announced it, I was like, yes, I'm playing it for this reason alone. Uh, James, do you want to talk a bit more about how the alien works and sort of how what you think of that system? Oh, the, the AI of the Xenomorph itself? Yes. Let's get uh, into, right into the weeds. Okay. <laughs> um, right, so the AI of this... this So I played this on hard. I played it on easy, uh, which is when I played it... No, I played it on normal when I initially played it, and I played it on hard um, in this most recent playthrough. And then, like, the, the bits in between, I've always played it on hard. Um, just because I was like, oh, I'll do it this time, but I never did. Um, but yeah, there's a stark difference in terms of the AI gameplay and like how you can, how you see it and how it how it interacts with you when it comes to the difficulty. You can tell like it's like in normal and easy, you'll hear that that chunk of it going up into the vent and down again all the time. Mm. Um, basically, that's your grace period. Except in hard and hard, it does not. It like it will maybe go into a vent once and it won't be for long. Like the AI on this this thing in the harder difficulties is, excuse me, is pretty brutal. Um, and on t- on top of that, it brings like new mechanics into like uh, when it goes into hard- harder difficulties as well. I know we're not talking about difficulties, but this is the only thing I can connect to. No, no, that's fair. Right now, um, but yeah, so it does this thing um, where uh, so the alien makes a lot of noise um, in the the easier difficulties. You can always you always know where it is mm. kind of because mm. it's always click clacking around and it's like making hissing and sounds right but in hard mode several times i've just turned around a corner um knowing that at one point it was behind me and it had silently gone around me in like a stairwell or something right and had uh, just popped up in a hallway right in front of me all the time that happened to me during my playthrough and it was terrifying and on top of that it also has a really really brutal sprint not not the sprint that it does towards you to kill you but sometimes it just has a, a burst mm. of speed like that it will just do because it might have heard something drop or something and that's so unpredictable and terrifying like the amount of times I've actually watched the xenomorph kind of bolt and I've been like, oh, <laughs> I've got to stay underneath this table for at least two more minutes. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of, it's, well, in my opinion, I mean, I know I am biased, but, and I'll talk about it more a little bit, a little bit later, but um, it's the best AI enemy that there's ever been in a video game. 
Interesting. Right, because it, 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 like, because it's unpredictable. It, it, I think it perfectly, also perfectly house like, uh, uh, represents the xenomorph. Like, right. in terms of what it is. And they somehow put that into AI form. You know, and it, it, it blows my mind every time. But yeah, that's what, that's what I think about the AI in terms of the gameplay. So... I did a little bit of looking into it to sort of understand what's going on there. And apparently, basically, the way the game works with this is they have the alien AI and then they essentially have like a director AI and the director knows what's going on, where everything is. And then basically, depending on different factors, such as the difficulty that you're playing on and stuff that you may have already done that the alien has because one of the selling points was the alien learns what you've done like if you use a certain item over and over again it's going to learn to not be so phased by it or avoid it not be interested in it and the director will feed information like that to the alien based on these factors uh what's also interesting is that you mentioned there about how it can quickly zip around is that in most of the levels there's actually more than one alien moving around uh you just don't you just know only we will only ever encounter one um and the the AI the director AI will just feed that information to whichever is the most relevant alien model, you know, the, whichever is the closest or whatever. So there will be moments where you seem like it's behind you and you might turn a corner and suddenly, and it happened to me, even on easy, you just came around a corner at me and I was done. Like, there was nothing I could do to predict that moment. It was just there, uh, you know, which isn't helped by the... And, you know, this is designed this way on purpose, but the fact that the game gives you this motion tracker thing uh and the way it works is it it only moves it only blips if the alien stops is it something like that it's, it's, moving. Moving, it, it's the other way around if it's moving that's yeah. not what i heard and that's certainly not what i experienced either <laughs> for me i'm already getting into sort of things negatives a bit i don't know how i feel about the motion tracker because i didn't feel like it was working half the time because the alien was still getting the jump on me uh and it felt a little bit cheap and frustrating but that's that that's just me i uh, I, I so in I didn't use it much in easy and normal, but I'm wondering if there, there's some tampering done with the motion detector because in when I was playing in hard mode, it saved me a lot. Mm. Like like I would I would be say in an island in the middle of a hallway, right, and the the alien or, an, or or a synth would be walking by, and I would need that motion detector to know where they are, right. Right, and it really helped me with those situations. So I'm wondering if there was some, there's some kind of trickery. Done. It's possible. Well, um, not to jump in, but I've done a bit of studying myself and learning that uh, there's a shout out to AI in games. They did like a really good like series of videos on this. But the the, the alien when it's up in the rafters, its uh, its model is despawned, but its motion tracker signal is not. And it was terrifying to learn that what I thought was false signals on that motion tracker are actually entirely 100% accurate signals and the alien is around and it is skills I thought, like, you know, oh, it's probably a rat and a duck. No, it's the alien. Like, knowing that it mm-hmm. is anywhere and everywhere and almost omnipresent and the fact that that's got a learning AI in it and then it's got another AI that's basically tattletailing on you and telling the alien, yeah, it's in that room somewhere, go on to it. It's terrifying yeah. that it feels like the game is actually out to, you know, to coin a word, f*** you, uh, <laughs> in the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get you. Um, I was immediately aware that the blips were also, it could be, you know, anywhere around the rooms or it could be anywhere like around above me or in some vent, which is terrifying because you can't tell the difference, especially, I assume, in harder difficulties. I've played it in normal and I played it in easy. Uh, and to be fair, maybe my issues with the motion tracker come from the fact that on stuff like easy, as James, you mentioned, 
my ears are just more reliable, right? I just I can hear the alien more, so that's what I'm listening out for, rather than relying on the motion tracker. But maybe that's just me. Um, Kelsey, you're an Xbox fan. Speaking to all of what we just talked about, but also on top of that, do you ever play with a Kinect? Uh, I did never play with the Kinect, sadly, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's an, a whole to. other oh, factor where if you make too much noise in the room you're yeah. sitting in, the alien can be alerted <laughs> to you, which is uh, <laughs> okay. just evil, really. Okay, yeah. story time. There was a there was a friend of mine, uh, Aramism Tom, who was streaming Alien Isolation, and he had all all this round to like basically be his backseat support unit. And he has a pet, uh, I can't can't remember the name, it's a bird, it's a parakeet or something. Yeah, Buff Buddy, right? And uh, we taught it how to do the motion tracker beep. Uh, So (laughs) every time that went off, like, we we taught Buddy to do it. Uh, Tom effectively hates us now because, you know, Buddy will occasionally do a motion tracker beep. Uh, At least he was doing it that night to the point where they just couldn't play the game anymore because they couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't. Um, And Incredible. as, As a side effect of that, it was setting off his connect. We didn't realise at the time, but us laughing was drawing the the alien to him. Uh, it, it, it's, it's it's brilliant. I love that. It's you know it's basically just a microphone that snitches on him. Another bit of information for the alien to feed on. But damn, pal, that's mm. clever. Uh, I wish it, there was more games that did that. Like just wear a headset. So screw yourself while playing the game. Yeah, uh, Kelsey, what do you think about the sort of AI concept of the alien? Uh, it's it's like a masterstroke, to be honest. Like the alien, so much AI in games seems really stupid and dumb there is some really good stuff uh but the alien here yeah it learns it doubles back on itself it definitely tries to trick you and yeah i love that kind of thing and we've kind of mentioned though the research we've done into it yeah i encourage people to go and watch the youtube videos where people a lot smarter than me have kind of broken it down really really in-depthly and it's just mind-blowing to see how this game works um so i love the ai of the alien i think it's it was definitely a risk um like you know for the gameplay in general they took a few risks but it's probably like james says like you say was that is it the best ai very possibly it's definitely the most threatening and intelligent stalker enemy ever Mm. in a game i think i can't think of a better one i think mr x is close in re2 remake but yeah he's kind of easier to get by than the alien um so yeah big fan of it and it's funny you mentioned the motion tracker because i do know what you're saying so previously i'd played it and completed it on normal and this time i played it on easy easy to try and get through it quicker i don't think that really helped i was gonna say did it make a difference for you (laughs) uh... not really (laughs) (laughs) but the motion tracker like as a concept i do love it and you know choosing when to use it and how long for is kind of very immersive and i prefer that Mm. as to rather than a like a radar that's on your screen all the time which i uh, you know I, I don't like as much and it just looks cool it's like a cool piece of kit but it is, it is a bit fiddly there's a few things in this game that are a bit fiddly and the motion tracker sometimes you know i thought i was using it correctly but it seemed to make readings that i was either misinterpreting or were incorrect and like you say it seemed to to beep at times when it didn't need to beep. i don't know but maybe at the same time because it's you know, so much in this game is about that tech from 1979. Maybe it's not supposed to be perfect, and mm. which I also kind of like. So, mm. yeah, the AI there, is there are There are some scripted beeps in the yeah. game. Like, it's meant there are some scripted points in the game where the game is just meant to terrify you and meant to be like, yeah, there's something, because you're meant to bring up the motion tracker and then you see this beep. It happens all the time in this game. You'll see, like, a, a dot whiz by you. 
right? It's meant to do that. It's meant to put that te- that that fear in you. Mm. Um, and I, I can't really tell you because there's so many of them. Um, like what part of the game that is, but it, I think the game really like it splits up. Like, it's, like the bit that really helped me want on is when you you try and trap the alien for the second time just before you get blasted out of the lab. Um, yeah, that bit like it was it was working like hundred percent. Like it saved me. Um, but there was other points where, I, yeah, I can see what you guys are saying, where it's like it just whizzed by me. I was like, oh no, is is it around? Yeah. But yeah, is it? They have they have a lot of scripted points like that. In this is game. it just nightmare mode where the tracker is like half broken and will occasionally glitch out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds awful. Nineteen <laughs> seventies <laughs> oh, uh... tech that's been hit on a desk about fifteen times as opposed to yeah. pristine and working. Mm. I agree about um, from a gameplay perspective about what you were saying about not being a permanent radar on the screen that would have been very banal and whatever. Yeah. Uh, the ability to bring it up whenever you want is really cool, and the fact that you can sort of pull focus and look, yeah. It, it yeah gives everything a bit of a blur if you're looking at the motion tracker, and then you can pull that to look about you in the motion tracker. It's like that's very clever, you know. It feels yeah. very very film like as well. Um, yeah, the general, and obviously we'll talk about this a bit later, but the general way things look in this game is uh, very cool and the way things have been constructed all of your items and stuff are uh, co- you know cobbled together 19- 1970s future tech um, so the the alien learning how to uh, kind of outthink you the only problem with that is that I've never I've never really encountered it ever at all in my two playthroughs because I never really used any of the items <laughs> if you don't do that it can't get cleverer than you basically <laughs> Um, so here's here's my hot take number one is that for all of the scrounging for items that you do um, which is you know in theory is a cool part of the survival horror aspect of this game and I do like the way the crafting system works we have to commit certain components Um, it's basically pointless to construct anything that isn't a medipack Uh, everything else I couldn't even tell you what most of the choices were I'd never used a flare outside of the tutorial when it gives you one at the beginning of the game I think I might have used an EMP mine once maybe uh, most of it's kind of pointless. Uh, your best bet is really just hiding under tables and you know and looking beyond corners carefully. Um, that's about it. Maybe I had a very different experience to someone else, but I just didn't see the point in most of the tat that it was throwing at me. It didn't. I I wasn't interested. Maybe that's just a preference thing. I don't know, but that's what it was. It may be a difficulty thing, not to be all like you know get good. Oh, absolutely. But you were on easy and normal. Um, yep. You know, I, th- I think those tools become more and more necessary as it goes on. I expect so. I, th- I think the only thing that was useless to me in hard was the EMP. Because by the time I got to a point where um, like I wanted to use the EMP, the droids, the synths were immune to it because they had rubber suits on. Right, yeah. Um, but everything else I used in that game. Fair enough, yeah. I, you're probably right, Steve. You're probably right. But it's a shame that that hasn't been adjusted then, that they... Yeah. Could have a bit more importance in a, you know easier difficulties. I, say, uh, I, I also I also do remember say that when I played it in the earlier difficulties, I also barely used any of the items, but okay. I had to in hard. I say EMPs can still double as a noisemaker. Uh, I've noticed that pretty much everything can be a noisemaker except for a flare. You know, so if, if mm-hmm. you're desperately trying to find some way of luring you know tall, dark, and beautiful away from you, even a flashbang down a corridor would do, assuming he's not like aware of it. The flare, by the way, is for humans. No, but you can lure it by sight as well. I, that I have been doing yeah. uh, on this recent playthrough um, because I was saving my noisemakers for the final encounters. 
you know, the, the, the okay. legit ones. So it was the flare, was my, you know, yeah, go have a look over there, you big bitey bugger. Uh, <laughs> and it, to its credit, it did, you know, a handful of times. And I thought, oh, that's just a flare, I'm not bothered, I think. <laughs> KDB, what's think- your experience with the with the items? Yeah, uh, so again, I played it on easy this time as well, and I definitely used items less. But what I will say is, uh, I used um, I, I used less of the breadth of the items, but I just used loads of Molotovs. Like they come in so handy for <laughs> any enemy, really, mm. and they're quite. You've got to use quite a few items to craft them. Uh, I do get what you're saying, though. I don't think I used flares at all in this playthrough. I definitely didn't use noise makers either, but mm-hmm. I did use a ton of Molotovs and. Um, a few EMP mines. They do come in handy uh, with the the androids before they've got the rubber suits on, like James says. Um, like the the crafting system is it is good. I think as we've mentioned, it just definitely is going to become more useful uh, with the harder difficulties where you've got to make right. use of it. Um, I did a lot of just legging it on this playthrough, but still died lots. And there were definitely times later in the game where those Molotovs came in very handy because there's those periods where the alien just. It goes into the vents for like two seconds and then just comes back out. And right. you, if you're not avoiding it, you have to kind of face it head on. If you haven't got any flamethrower fuel, yeah, those items can come in handy. So I'd, I wouldn't go as far as saying completely useless, but I agree they are less required on easy, uh, without a doubt. It's a testament to the game's design, really, that you've got all these tools that can fulfill a purpose, but you don't necessarily need them if you're practical enough and then just being stealthy mm-hmm. enough. You know, it's like yeah, right. Metal Gear Solid, isn't it? You know, you have all these guns, but you can no gun, no kill, sneak it if you're that good. Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. I'll give you that. Um, okay, well, I'm not quite sure where to go with gameplay-wise. I'm just going to open it up now and see who wants to take it, where mm. they want to go. James, any thoughts on the general gameplay of Alien Isolation? Yeah, so I, I initially put down that I thought the gameplay was perfectly okay. Mm. Um, but I think that also t- takes away from like w- the work they've done in conjunction with the look, atmosphere, and story of this game. Like, mm. I'll talk about the cons, but I am going to big up those cons later on as well. So be prepared. So, um, yeah, we, we so we've been talking about items and, and stuff, but I'm going to be talking about stuff as well. So the gameplay, this gameplay isn't groundbreaking in any way, like in terms of how you play the game right um you know it's it's and in some facts in in some regards it can be really frustrating (laughs) to uh like find the correct spot on a like an elevated platform prop to jump up onto it like or yeah you're navigating the crafting menu to craft your items or even your shots me missing even though you had a clear bead on that synth's head (laughs) or the like the random loot drops in specific rooms um which can mean that you you're losing out on like one item like, there'll be one item that you're always low on. Um, however, this brings me on to the pros, because this is all done deliberately. So, um, the awkward movement and the overwhelming crafting menu are ways to instill fear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is what this game does in, sp- in spades. Um, I, you know, I can be there shouting at my monitor because I can't get into a vent, and I can hear the drone getting closer and closer. Your fear is Amanda's fear. And this is true for all the other cons that I just mentioned as well. So the crafting menu is this way because it's wanting you to spend just enough time or not enough time using it. Um, I'm sure all of us here have used the crafting menu while on the run and it's horrifying. <laughs> um, well, at least I did anyway. It was mm-hmm. 
awful. Um, normally, I get I like running away from synths or humans. Not so much the xenomorph because I wasn't going to try that. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, but that that crafting menu is something as survival horror lovers we're so used to. We're so used to kind of awkward crafting menus because it's deliberately done that like that. Um, and in terms of like the shots missing, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about outside of the game. So. Amanda is a very gifted engineer, though at this point she's seen as a mechanic, quote, but she's she's an engineer, but she isn't a Marine. She has been around a Marine at this point, um, and she, but she's never been in security. She's held a gun and she's shot a gun, but not in her, but like she's not done it as a job, like at all. Um, right. And she knows her way around it, but she is allowed to miss. Like, and I think they deliberately do that. I missed several times on hard mode, even though I had a bead on that, on that synth's head. Um, it's frustrating, and it's meant to be. Um, yeah. Um, the other thing I want to touch on, and I think we're all going to have an opinion here on it, um, and I don't, maybe this, I, I kind of ha- found it hard where to place this, um, but that's the pacing of the game. Right. Like, the way you play the game itself. Um so my my opinion has changed for this game, um, and I'm I'm excited to hear what other folks think think about this. Um, but I, as I said earlier, I've only completed this game twice, uh, but I've started it many times and got to varying levels of of, of completion. Um, the first time I ever played this game, I completed it and felt like it was an incredibly long game, mm. where the dangers they become more like nuisances, um, mm. to be honest, um, and that's fair, but. It's also a testament of who you are as a player and who Amanda is, because you're like one person at this point. Like to help with those Xenos and 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 humans and since you're fighting for your life and nothing is standing in your way, you need to get out and escape. And that's basically what the game is. You know, when you first play it, that fear is kind of playing on that. Um, this brings me to my last point, though, and I won't take up this whole thing, <laughs> but. Um, and it's about pacing. I'm sorry I've spoken so long, but uh, play the game again through its entirety. And I really would like hard is what they intend for you to play the game on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the difficulty, it says this is what we intend, like the developers intend. Um, but I made a real- realization just last week when I completed this game. Um, I I expected to have beat my previous time by a really long shot. I'm talking like five, six hours, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe quicker than that. But I only beat my previous time by an hour. Um, it made me realize that the pacing in this game is actually perfect. Um, oh, that's a bold claim. That's pu- a bold claim. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but I, the game went fast, and I was playing it hard. Um, the pure fear you feel while you play it can manipulate your mind. And I'm sorry about my cat. Um, Um, It can manipulate your mind into just wanting to be out of this hell. Like, you want to be out. That's your mind saying, I'm scared. I want to leave. Not to say that this hard playthrough I did wasn't scary. My Twitch can attest (laughs) that I did get scared many times. But it was certainly easier the second time around. Um, But yeah, that's my big, bold claim (laughs) of the podcast. Um, Before I throw it to someone else, I just wanted to speak on something that you said at the beginning there that I just I actually would like to back you up on that is that a lot of the things you were saying about struggling to climb into a vent or missing shots and stuff uh, it would be very hypocritical to 
admonish a game for that when we celebrate other games, like Resident Evil specifically, um, for things like that, where it's like, well, whether or not it was intentional, X, Y, Z about the game, which makes it more difficult and more stressful, actually adds to the horror of it. So mm. I agree with you in those aspects, actually. Um, you know, the we'll talk about length as well as the pacing, but some of the animations are quite long, Mm-hmm. Like taking the braces off the doors, which is obviously something that happens earlier on more than anything else, which they take a long time, which isn't great considering the game is quite long. But in the sa- it's the same thing where it's like you feel exposed because you can't do anything. The controller's in your hand. There's nothing you can do. You have to wait for this to play out, which is why, you know, like the hacking tool is the way it is where you have to sit there and you've got this countdown timer and it's all about, you know, the beads of sweat coming down your forehead and stuff like that. So I agree with you on those fronts. Um, in terms of the pacing, Steve, what do you think of uh, of these bold claims? So, famously, <laughs> the director's cut of the original Alien is actually shorter than the released original film. And mm. I can't help but feel there are some bits you could probably trim from this just to tie it up a little bit. Mm. You know, case in point, there's right near the end, you're about to leave and get on the shuttle for the lane, and then the alien grabs you and shoves you in a hive. That could have probably have been processed earlier when you first enter the hive or something like that. And there are various little sections like this where it gets padded out. And I think the one that really sticks out for me is there is a point where you have to get a medical kit for Taylor. Is it Taylor, James? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 San Cristobal. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going at pace, she's been bleeding out for about 40 minutes. <laughs> I, I can't help but feel there's some fat we could trim there because you have to not only get into the clinic you then have to find a key to get into the clinic and then you need to get an elevator to get to another level of the clinic and then you have to go get the trauma kit and then you have to find another way out and then go back around I, I, there are things that was, they could do to tighten that up a bit I was literally about to say that the I think that is the part of the game that I've written down here uh there is a string of objectives which is hilarious to me which is I can't use the elevator I'll find a different elevator this elevator needs a part to fix it I've got to wake up an android to help me and to turn on the power to wake up the android to help me I need a new tool to turn on the power to help the android help me get the part to fix the elevator to get it's like what? In world and in universe the way that Amanda interacts and be an engineer about things I feel is very authentic to the way she's portrayed in for her sure. actions it just feels like there is a there is a, an element of disbelief that isn't Taylor like three hours dead by now, you know, and stuff like that. Yes, um, but more from my issue that is that uh, there's a, this game has at times a really awesome cinematic vibe, and it really does feel like you're playing an alien film. But considering that I don't know about eighty percent of the objectives in this game are turn on the power, kind of broke that feeling for me I was like oh I'm just playing a video game with a long string of objectives and that mm-hmm. that is a really extreme example the one that I just gave there but uh, I yeah that could a lot of it could have been trimmed down in places for me can I uh, yeah, but sorry I'm, yeah. I want to backtrack a little bit to the gameplay and while I think we can all agree the alien is fantastic and awesome right generally speaking sure. uh, I would say that some of the encounters while they're there obviously to spice the variety up can be a bit one note like, humans is going to go one of two ways. You're going to sneak by them, and then the alien's going to come and off them. Or you're going to get into a scrap with them, and either they're going to kill you, or you're going to kill them, or something's going to come and bring the alien in. And it, it kind of gets a bit too familiar. I wish there was a way they could have made that a bit more varied, because the humans are kind of, kind of boring. They'll either, like, walk a static pattern or shoot at you. That's pretty much all they do. They can be lured with stuff, obviously, but generally, if you use, like, a noisemaker, yeah, all you've done is basically ring the dinner bell for the alien anyway. 
Um, I was going to say, all you need to do is stand up so they start firing at you and the alien will finish yeah, them for yeah, you. Which is fun, but, you know. The most one-sided if tag you, team in history. <laughs> you <know. laughs> if, you, if you don't want to make a noise, this is, I was going to say this earlier on, if you don't want to make a noise when humans are around, because sometimes the xenomorph being down on the ground is, you know, well, bad like for everybody. Um, but, uh, yeah, you throw a flare at those humans and they're dumb. Uh, they have an intelligence of three, so they will walk over to that flare and go, huh, scratch their head, and then you just throw a Molotov, right? <laughs> and five of those humans are dead. Yeah, but then the alien right? shows um, up, and, and then it's just the alien encounter again. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I'm saying, you know, you can use the flare as a, as a distraction for humans. I mean, the, the Molotov can make noise, but it means that you're clear then, because all the humans have, they have random patterns. Um, they have, like, I think each human has, like, five different uh, paths they do, depending on uh, actually, it doesn't depend. I think it's just random. It might be a uh, difficulty thing, like, but they seem like they're on Metal Gear Solid like soldier patrol routes for me. Right. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to just circle around to my final point: is that the androids? I think they're amazing, but the side effect is if you have to go and tangle with one, chances are you make that much ruckus that the alien shows up, and then quite rightly, the alien thinks these plastic men ain't no ain't no thing to me, and just ignore them and go straight for you. So the incentive is there to be stealthy, but sometimes the game forces you into a you know. You have to fight eight of these guys at one point. And, mm. you know, it's... I don't know, it feels like there could have been some work done there a little bit. That to, 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 I don't know, make it so the alien is definitely not a presence or that the alien is a presence and will be active all the time. It, it's the fact that whenever I know I fire a gun, it's literally going to be three seconds away, the alien is going to appear. Which means I, I kind of feel limited and hemmed in. It's that, like... Dishonored thing where Dishonored gives you about 400 ways to kill a dude but incentivizes being stealthy and non-lethal even though you've got like two ways of doing it. I feel like there's a bit of a frustration for me. There, there are points and there are points like the... Do you mean the bit where you have to get the key and you go through that showroom of sense and you come out and you have to face about eight? Yes. Them? Yeah, so there's no alien at that point. Right. Because like you, you, will, you can fire at them and the, 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 kind of, the game kind of Lilts towards that side there being no xenomorph it's still difficult that bit um i, I mean there's, there's also seeks and synthetics like you go through there once or twice and the, the alien can roam about and completely mess you up there too yeah um no yeah yeah definitely i hate that section i mean it's, it's great as a gameplay variety thing but also it feels frustrating that i know that my options are limited it's like having 500 knives but i need a fork <laughs> Uh, Kelsey, what do you make of the pacing of the game? Since that's what we sort of dug into there. Sure, I think it's to be fair to James. Like it is a fantastic point that despite there is so much repetition of puzzles and tasks in this game, it it is all very close to a real experience. You know, you have to pull out each tool and use each hand. It's you know, it, there are times when I'm like, does this animation need to be here? Do I really need to have to do this again? Uh, it's like in Red Dead 2, you make a coffee and it's like a labour-intensive you know, yeah. experience. <laughs> um, but that just ties back into the point of the game. So James is right there. Um, but that being said, they could have just removed like two missions from the game and I probably would have felt that the pacing was better. So I don't think the pacing is perfect. I love the fear kind of inducing pacing. I think that's the game's one of the game's main selling points. Um, and then there's these moments of just utter panic and terror that force you to run and hide. So, and that's good how that mixes it, mixes it, mixes it up. But 
yeah, that, there is a lot of the same, which can make it frustrating. So I, I wouldn't go as far as call it perfect pacing. Uh, I'm kind of fine with it, uh, to be honest. I just wish they'd done a bit of trimming, like Steve said. Um, mm. And yeah, so, so they they did a lot of trimming for this game. Fourteen missions were removed. Wow! What? <laughs> so they've got a set a sequel ready to go then. Um, so <laughs> I. Yeah, I just think there are a couple of missions and, you know, there's points in the game where you're walking for very long periods of time. I've mentioned the spacewalks in the Discord before and I think they go on just a little bit too long and it's like, okay, but... It, it is an experience. It's, you know, and Steve mentioned it being a sim as well. It's kind of, it verges on that. So I don't hate it. It, it is part of its selling point, but it's a lot to, it's a big ask for some people. And that's a part of the gameplay that will, I think, turn some people off. Um, as I said, the game takes risks and uh, it rarely does anything for you. All of your actions need to be considered and or you'll just end up dead. And the more you play, you kind of get used to it. But yeah, pacing-wise, could have done with some trimming, but all the survival horror stuff is there that, that I just kind of love, really. Mm. And now, reading text logs from Alien Isolation in character as Julia Jones, Anna Raider, who you can follow on Twitter at Anna underscore Raider. September 10th, 2137. Sevastopol. An Outpost of Progress by Julia Jones Siegson's Frail Origins After Wayland Industries led the way in faster-than-light travel, Siegson found success mass-producing the flight components central to the colonial gold rush that followed. It's ensuring overexpansion and reputation for producing low-cost alternatives to Y-branded goods is a matter of public record. In the modern day, Siegson is attempting to change the fortunes of ailing colonial outposts. Stations like Sevastopol receive investment, and Siegson-afflicted companies set up shop. But the economic patterns that once worked within the soul system have not flourished in deep space. On Sevastopol, mass-produced no-frill androids still sit in their boxes. Machines and research facilities are still shrouded in the plastic that they were delivered in. Trading docks are only used by the flourishing black market that the station's residents have come to rely on. Sevastopol is a ghost town, and nobody cares. Um, Steve, any more thoughts on gameplay things, pros and cons? I feel like I'm being hypercritical. I just want to like say I do like this game, guys. Really, I do. I, uh, <laughs> I just I'm, I'm trying to be as objective as I can because it is infuriating when like these working Joe automatons are terrifying, awesome, and a great little addition to the law. And then the second that I get into a conflagration with one, tall, dark, and scary rips me apart anyway. So it gets frustrating the fourth time in a row. You know, mm. other than that, like I love how it escalates it to a degree, especially when the big reveal is spoiler: there is more than one alien on the station. You know, the fact that you've not been contending with just the one drone; it's likely been multiple different drones the entire time. And you think you've been mm. safe running around, either ejecting said single drone, but you've been making a racket, and there's a hive right below you. And then you have to deal with facehuggers, multiple aliens. It's it's a great escalation of the gameplay and the fact that the AI accommodates for that. I don't know if both aliens that you encounter at the simultaneous moments are both the same level of intelligence. Certainly feels like that one is a sidekick to a lead, but it's still it's fantastically well done. It's just doing a little bit of rebalancing, maybe, when it comes to human alien android encounters. Uh, Kelsey, any more thoughts on gameplay? 
No, I think, as I mentioned, some of it's a bit fiddly, but generally, yeah, pure survival horror. Love it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I yeah, generally agree. For me, it's a, it's a, it is a little long. Um, I didn't find that in my first playthrough, but I did in my second one. And maybe that's because I kind of had a deadline of like, well, we need to record it around this time. So maybe that was just on me. Um, it's not really helped by the amount of one-hit kill nonsense, which is often inspired by grappling with another enemy, as Steve's quite rightfully said, and then having to replay entire sections again. But, again, that's survival horror, so I can't really complain about it too much. Um, I also feel like I've been down on this game too much, so one little pro is I really, really like the hacking tool. There you go. I really love the way that works. You have to match the symbols up. Uh, It's it's neat. How do we feel about the the lead-up, the build-up to it? Like... Do, do we think it's a strong in, in, intro, the, the, the gameplay loop of the, like, the first 40, 50 minutes? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, I think it's sorry. a very, it's a, it's, a, it's a bold move. And I would argue, maybe not great on replay, but especially this time, I was really into the fact that the alien isn't there immediately. The fact mm. that you get a real big bite of that atmosphere. Like, replay, sure, it's probably going to be 50 minutes before you have to com- contend with anything, and that can be a bit tiresome. But uh, the initial run... I feel like they paced it out really well. Like the intro. I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, it, they know full well that so many people are going to play this game and just sort of be gawking at the visual design and how well they've... And obviously we'll get to that, but actually next. But, uh, you know, how well they've reflected sort of the film world in the video game. So I'm glad that they don't just rush straight into some action, as it were. Um, and all the more the fact that you know what game you're playing. So... You are terrified way before that alien shows up. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I really love the slow burn of the beginning of this game. I could have done without the glitch uh, at the very beginning where I had to restart the whole game, where uh, I got to the bridge and it just wouldn't let me continue. That's apparently still a thing. Um, I also, also related, had a really cool glitch in the chapter, the worst chapter of the game, uh, most annoying chapter of the game, where all the synths suddenly turn and start hunting the humans down. Um, I couldn't equip any different item i couldn't change my weapon or to change your medipack the game just wouldn't let me yeah well, <laughs> so, same glitch. which is super cool but other than, other than that it wasn't too bad but sorry that was a random addendum uh james how do you feel about the opening then because i know you've got some things to say on it yeah um yeah uh so when i first played it i think everybody you know i was it took me like I think like an hour and a half, two hours Probably. to get through that section because I I was looking everywhere. Yeah, I was like, "Where's it? Where's the alien? Where is it? Where is it?" You know, they did really well there, and um, yeah, the 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 acting of this show as well. So this show because it not it is kind of like you're playing an alien film mm-hmm. um, in itself, but yeah, the acting in this game is sublime as well. So as you're going through this kind of tutorial level. Like where it's teaching you here's a gun and here's how to shoot it and here's how you get an event and you know it's it's with storytelling it's showing you where to go um, and how to and that's the way tutorials should be yep. there shouldn't be a big like box on the screen saying press this button do this and blah 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 you know it should like, if you press the right you know, trigger Ripley can exactly. use the swinging tool to swing it press the A <laughs> button it's, it's to confirm like... <laughs> sorry it's it's not like super like it, you know it's it doesn't it's not like all over the screen it's just like this small little mm-hmm. text in the the right or left hand corner it's just like yeah this is how you do this and this is this is the tool you're going to be using for this specific thing um yeah i really like the 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 introduction especially what they did with axel 
Um, you know, it, it was just like a really tight little story with him. I mean, yeah. we'll get into it later. But like, it's like, oh, I hate this guy. Oh, okay, he's not that bad. Oh, I love him. And now he's dead. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's Alien. You know, yeah. that's that's what Alien is. I uh, love that. Yeah, I absolutely adored the intro- introduction to this game. Okay, let's talk about the way the game looks, the way the game sounds, all of that stuff. And as sort of touched on there, um, how it reflects the source material. Um, I think if I had to wager a guess, if I had to place a bet on this podcast... Um, any of the little bitching and moaning that we've done, it's largely <laughs> done with now. Um, I think that we are, what, we eight years out since this game came out? It still looks stunning. Incredible looking game. Uh, the lighting's really good. <sighs> the And the settings of the game just... <sighs> You, as James, you just said, t- took an hour waiting around, you know, worried about the alien looking everywhere. You could spend an hour in every location of this game just looking at everything because it's there's so much of just dripping off the walls of that alien aesthetic. They nailed it 100%, uh, which is one of my favourite things about it is I just love wandering around mm. every location being like, I am in the alien universe. <laughs> 100 million percent. Uh there, there was a big smile on my face when I first played this game throughout the entire game, even though I was getting murdered ruthlessly. <laughs> I bet. I remember when I played it the first time, I immediately, I don't know if I finished the game and then went to watch the films, but it doesn't take long before I'm into this game where I'm like, I should just really, wa- I want to watch all the films now. Like, just being in this universe makes me want to watch. And the same thing happened this time where it's like, yeah, probably this weekend I'll watch at least the first film and maybe some other stuff as well. Uh, yeah that's what makes the game sing for me is that love of the source material is so vividly on display um steve what are your general thoughts on the way the game looks oh my gosh right so uh visually the the environments are that right blend of faithful to the film and it's like i don't know what you'd call it well let's just say tile set because steve's thick you know, um, <laughs> it's got it's got that. It very feels nothing like nothing from Jim Cameron's Alien is Aliens is here. It's all Ridley Scott's Alien, but in different reinterpretations. And there were, I would say there are some environments that feel maybe they they're in danger of being samey, but there is enough environmental storytelling and little touches and environmental details that make it stand apart. And it always feels yeah. very authentic. Like the, this dust particles almost everywhere on the station that it feels like the atmosphere you could cut with a knife. Uh, what's the right term Uh, the the colour tone and all that stuff it always feels very much to the film accurate especially in the uh, the flashback scene with Marlowe you know where you're Mm -hmm. going through the the derelict ship and the the general atmosphere of boots on the ground LV426 is also on point perfect for the first film rather than the second Uh, yeah I would say it's visual strong points are it's environments the alien the androids your tools there's only one small... I've got to be negative in some parts, guys, because I would argue that the character models are a bit whack, the the humans are a bit bland, sure. and yeah, they're all okay. a bit sweaty for some reason. I guess it's just really hot in space. 
you know uh, I mean the station shut yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair but, but you know and they're, they're right they're next all, to a gas giant you know they're all really scared as well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Samuels and Taylor have just woke up from hypersleep and they just they just got a bit of a dab on you know it's a bit, a bit warm in those um, those hypersleep chambers other than that it's fine like the, 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 the small small things the only the only thing I can think of is like the, the FMV cutscenes while very well animated compared to the in-game models are a bit performance low for the the consoles at the time and even now and the frames are pretty trash yeah yeah they could do with like if this game ever somehow sega please for the love of god like if this game ever gets a director's cut slash remaster they could do with a bit of love a bit of touch up you know frame rate improvements and just generally not having like screen tearing in pre-rendered fmv like you see visually the game has like an identity that is consistent and accurate to a to, I don't want to say to a fault because that seems harsh. You know, that is um, lovingly faithful to the films. Mm-hmm. And ran over. So visually, yeah, it's rate good. Just could do with a bit of performance issues and models are a bit whack for the humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, KDB, what's your thought on the way the game looks? Oh, it's, like this is one of the big ones, isn't it? Uh, mm. It's it's the biggest strength of this. I mean, this and the story, the biggest strength of this game. The I agree basically with everything Steve said. Just the tangible nature of the environments and mm. everything that's in them. It all feels like stuff that you that is real, that exists in the real world. It's all enhanced by just some of the best real-time lighting you'll see in a video game. As you said, Sai, it's, it's actually pushing 10 years old when you consider the dev time as well. Yeah, it's true. Like this, this really is a showcase. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it feels like... It it fits right in line with the movie. There's no question. It's just such a great achievement, and all that care and love and attention to detail. It's all there. Um, there's like a small bit of asset repetition, but I mean, it feels very corporate in that sense. It's this yes. mass production station thing, so that all makes sense. And then the uh, Sevastopol itself has such like a variety in locations. It's got mm. labs, engineering, living quarters, server rooms, and yeah, this just feels. It's it's insane how good this game looks, and uh, it's colourful. Like Steve said, I don't really like it when games are just shroud. Horror games are just shrouded in darkness, and although there is darkness in this game, there's plenty of you know brights, bright reds, yellows, blues, beaming sunlight as well. Mm. Those you know those scenes are great. The graphics are really great, and like Steve said, my biggest criticism is that criticism is those character models. Um, in the cinematic cutscenes, I think is where they look the worst, which is really strange. Uh, the in-game cutscenes, it's kind of not as bad. Um, so, in an otherwise like gorgeous games, those models give a bit of a. Humans are hard to do in CG, and we know this. And Creative Assembly aren't a ginormous studio, um, and it kind of it's a bit like, oh, humans weren't our expertise. But I've seen worse, <laughs> yeah, so I don't sure. want to be too down on it. Uh, their proportions are just a little bit off, so I can't hold it against it too much. Mm. Um, and yeah, the alien model, obviously, we've mentioned, just looks incredible. Um, I played this on Series X, which has an FPS FPS boost, so the gameplay is 60 frames per second, up from 30 frames per second, which it may have been 30 frames per second on the PS5 side, if that's where you played it. Um, mm. And the 60 FPS... Yeah, it's amazing. Even though I don't usually mind cinematic games like this being in 30 FPS, it really just looked amazing. And the chunky CRT-ness of the production design is... I just personally love that too. So that helps my feelings with how the game looks and all the world building. 
And yeah, to be honest, we could do an entire episode on how the, just how the game looks. So mm. I'm going to stop talking about it now, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about audio and stuff in a bit. But yeah, the game looks fantastic. I need to be greedy. Yeah. I need to be greedy. Can I get another point go on, in? Go on. Right. Yeah. Um, I was doing some research on this, obviously, because you know, it's a podcast. You want to be professional. Talk about these things. Um, there's a few cutscenes where you look at CRT on um, the, the the consoles, the, the uh, Sebastian Link stuff. Yeah. There's one particular one with Lingard. And uh, they had a really cool thing, and I, th- I wish they used more of it. They recorded the CG, then they took the CG off, put it through an actual VHS yes. filter, and then put it back into the game. And that effect is chef's kiss. You know, that is yeah. some yeah. fantastic yeah, yeah. visual design. Yep, shines yeah. through. Yep, it's stuff like that, and as you say, just even the fact that they commit to all those CRT-style technology and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it's super cool. And you're right, you know, arguably... The, the sort of original alien aesthetics, obviously a lot of black and a lot, obviously a lot of white, sort of off-white. Very easy to make this game boring and monochromatic if you did it wrong. Uh, it's not. It's not drab at all. I will plus one, Steve, what you're saying, if this game ever gets like a full-on, I won't call it a remake, but like a next-gen upgrade, uh, performance mm. enhancements. Also, I'll take a photo mode while you're at it as well, if that's if the case, yeah. come, to, come to think of it. Uh, let, yeah, let, we'll do audio afterwards, because there's definitely things to say. But James, how do you feel about the visual design of Alien Isolation? Uh, so just quickly, uh, I also want to talk about the optimization of this game. Sure. Um, so I still, I upgraded, but I still didn't have a good rig it was mid-tier at best right but even though this game is eight years old it was the pinnacle of how how like there was no other game that looked this good Mm. uh in 2014 um even in 2016 to be honest when i started playing this game i was still blown away um yeah and it was well optimized like it it, and this is this i'm talking from a pc perspective because i'm not sure what it was like on console um but it ran like a dream other than those cutscenes but that's not down to how the game runs that's more about what they whatever they did with the frames um etc but yeah uh, that's all i want to say on that though just really stellar optimization which is something that i think is it was starting to peak at that time optimization video games and it's starting to go back down again now mm. like optimization is starting to be second right which i think is something that video game developers need to look into a bit more Agreed. Um, but the real surprise is how this game looks. It looks so good. Um, and I'm going to talk about the star of the show for a second, the Xenomorph. Um, because quickly, uh, we've started talking about colors. This game is very neutral. Everything is very neutral, but it still feels poppy. Yeah. Um, and there are two camps in terms of the art style that uh, people have when it comes to the Xenomorph. It's either blue and black, uh, the design from Aliens, like the design from Aliens, or it's grey and black, which is tied more to Alien. Mm. And in this game, is, is this is another connection to how they're tying um, this game to the original movie, because it's tied close to Alien. Like, you see that Alien, that's the Alien from Alien. You know, you know it because of the colour palette that they're using. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, now in, in terms of the environments in this game, um, and I think we've all mentioned it in some way, but the, uh, the theme... Um, is completely unapologetic <laughs> yeah. in in what it in what it, what it puts across the eighty sci fi that the original movies had is all there. Uh, they could have gone down the route of Prometheus, which only came out two years prior, uh, but they stuck to what the source material was all about. Um, this isn't our future. This is an alternate future, and I think that can help 
people kind of settle into this franchise a little bit more. And, I, mm. you know, I really want people to kind of settle into this franchise so I can have more people to talk to about it. Um, also, there is a, a, just for folks, naysayers out there on, well, this in the future. Why is everything not futuristic? Um, there is a very valid reason why uh, the tech is how it is on Sefastopol and elsewhere. And, uh, yeah, and it's, and, and in Alien, and it's all down to cutting corners and creating an oppressive environment for your employees to work uh, so they barely have any other thought proce- thought to process in their mind. Um, but I will go over that uh, a little bit later. So yeah. we, we all know, you know, we all go, we all know that this is all about, you know, this is all about big corpo kind of just beating down on the employee. Mm. Um, to end though, um, we, we've mentioned this as well, but um, I felt every frame of this game is like a, a photo moment. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, every single frame you can take a you can take a screenshot of, and it will look good. And I wish there was a photo mode. Um, and there wasn't many games that looked... Actually, there wasn't any game that looked this good back then that you could have just taken a screenshot at any point. It would have mm. been pretty. Um, the fi- the way the filter softens everything um, just enough, but not too overbearing. So it looks like you're looking through a Instagram beauty filter. Um, yeah, it felt like you were really playing through an Alien movie. And that's all I have to say. Uh, let's talk audio then. Uh, at the top of the show, I mentioned that it won a few awards on audio. Again, uh, similar thing with um, Resident Evil around around this time. Not RE7 necessarily, but Remake 2 obviously uh, won some awards for its audio design. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot necessarily to say this, so I'm going to throw it to you guys largely. But what I do have to say is pretty much just uh, the same thing that I said for the visuals uh, with the music. Again, just... The way they've used that original soundtrack and sort of built on it in their own way uh, it's just another reason for me to go, I want to watch Alien. doesn't matter how recently I may have seen it. Playing this game just makes me appreciate, uh, you know, the, the, the property is in general. Um, Kelsey, how do you feel about the audio the, from the music, the voice act, sound effects, just everything, whatever you want to jump into? Hmm. Uh, so fun fact about me uh, I was working at an animation studio in Bath when this game came out and it was a very stressful job and I used this soundtrack to calm myself down for a period of about (laughs) three solid months which is crazy to think when you think what the game is but there is a lot of calming noises and sound and music in this game and uh yeah so it's 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 bonded to me in that sense uh so i've got a huge affinity for the soundtrack it's uh it's, it's a superb achievement just the way it's used in game is the most kind of natural sounding enemy nearby danger cues that you'll find in a game and the way that dynamically changes depending on the situation you're in you know you, it changes without you even realizing it and yeah that main sort of theme that drops in at key moments that piece of music is i just absolutely love that mm. and uh just sound design of the beeping and ticking of the computers and machinery i think the voice acting's uh awesome i think it's incredibly good you know we kind of whinged about the character models a bit the voice actors are amazing uh sounds of the alien the screeches the noises in the vents it this is a uh, this is visually and audio wise you know it's such an immersive experience the sound is a huge part of that and um yeah that i don't know what else to say too much just i i love the soundtrack to listen to and but in the game it's one of the kind of 
you know, it's how it's used for the gameplay and your experience in the game is one of the better experiences of a video game just ever. You know, there's all these game soundtracks we love that are amazing kind of in a vacuum and stuff like that, but they went to a great deal of effort to make sure the soundtrack was part of the gameplay. And yeah, it's just, it's so good. I love it. (laughs) Yes, uh, agree all around. You know, that alien clambering in and out of the vent noise will haunt me for several more weeks, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Did anyone else notice uh, who played... The voice of Wait, speaking of voice Oh, yes. Actor. And his yeah. face like this as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 he did. So for those listening along who might not be aware, is uh, William Hope, who famously played Lieutenant Gorman in Aliens. Um, and I, and I, I would imagine has shown up in more than just that one film throughout the series' life. Uh, you may well know him as well as uh, playing Mikhail from Resident Evil Remake 3. So there you go. Uh, Steve, what do you think of the audio design of Isolation? This is uh, unequivocally the best-sounding alien game ever, and that is not hyperbole. You know, it's a, it's a sign of a good horror game uh, like RE7 and Dead Space. You know, mm. RE2 remake. You know, this is definitely one where you want the headphones on. Like this is, you know, musically, you know, it, it's on point for the 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 alien film, but the actual atmosphere of the sounds, the tick, the just general movement around the ship, it's all very authentic, and I just love. You know, love slash hate the, the the 3D audio, or at least it feels like 3D audio with my headphones, where you can like feel the environment around you. It feels very real. Uh, at least it is when you're immersed in like a pitch dark room <laughs> with all the headphones on loud. It's definitely one we need uh, that kind of experience. Don't just play this through your TV or something like that. Uh, everything, as 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 my colleagues have said, feels very authentic to the film, and I would actually say that it's not a detriment in this case because sometimes things can be too slavishly, lovingly close to it. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about their binaurals. When you can hear something like down the corridor behind you and you're physically turning around, you know, that kind of sound design, it's not, not that frequent. Or at least it doesn't feel like that frequent these days in something that's not a Resident Evil title or you know, a AAA horror game. Uh, they definitely they, they hit it out of the park. Yeah, for sure. Uh, James, audio, go. It good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, no, it, it's, yeah, music uh, stays faithful to the movies. Very good. I, I, I want to, I wanted to talk about this in atmosphere because I feel like audio kind of seeps into well, the atmosphere. Yeah, let's seep well. these two sections together. So by all means, we'll kind of bleed these two things into each other. Yeah, so one thing, um, so you guys have, you know, everything you've said, like, yeah, amazing. Like this, this game. Uh, there's, there's nothing on par in terms of the audio in this game. Um, but one thing that really hit me was the random use of of some audio. Um, well, seemingly random. Um, but actually, before I talk about that, um, everything that goes on, by the way, in the game. So like the explosions, thing like fuel fuel injectors popping off, uh, engines exploding. Mm. Like you hear it as you're playing. Like everything you hear, like it, it might be a distant like thud, or it might be a massive explosion to your left or to your right. I know that sounds really simple, but it's just that when you're playing it and you had the headphones on, right, and then there's an explosion, and suddenly you'll hear your 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 telecom go off, right, and it's someone saying this just happened. It's like that's a really great use of you know, storytelling with audio. It's like, yeah, I just heard that, you know, and Amanda Ripley will just repeat what you thought. It's like, yeah, I just heard it. What the hell happened, you know? Um, 
yeah, yeah. just a great I, I love that and you guys have, I don't really need to go over it but yeah the the seemingly random audio cues for this game I don't know if you guys noticed but there are so there are the big vents you can go into right but there are numerous small vents in the game um throughout it and uh I'm the the only one I put down because I didn't I didn't want to talk about this forever but there's one specific one that hit me really hard a uh, piece of audio that came out of one of these vents now people throughout the game they speak through these vents you can hear them saying stuff um, mm. through these vents. Um, you can't do anything about it. And this was one specific one was where somebody was stuck in engineering um, and they were waiting for help. Um, and they were screaming, they were asking, you know, and screaming for help down this vent. Um, they speak about others stuck throughout the station as well. Um, but later, of course, we find out that the, you know, engineering is ground zero for all this. Mm. Um, and as you're going through the hive later on, one of those bodies you find is poss- possibly the person that, because they start talking about their kids and they start talking about, you know, you you can sit there for two minutes and just listen to this person. I really wished I could actually speak through that vent as Amanda, but <laughs> I couldn't. Um, but yeah, those little things, just really mm-hmm. great environment. Again, I say it, saying it a lot, but environmental storytelling um, that isn't even in a cutscene. You know, it's and they they are rife throughout this game. These little things, even to do with just walking around and hearing the security or Sevastopol people, residents who are just talking about, you know, their families. They want to give back to their families and stuff. Like, I don't, I didn't want to kill security. I didn't want to kill these people because they're just people. Mm-hmm. You know, you got that. That really came out through the audio um, of the game uh, and tying into atmosphere. Uh, this is. This is probably my strongest, uh, along with story, this is my favorite part of the game, because um, this game is all about oppression um, on you and on everybody else. Um, it's pressing on you at all points, uh, whether it be with the, the narrow hallways, the constant vent sounds throughout the game, um, or just random NPCs just sitting in line around. It, it was very, whenever I see these NPCs just sitting and lying around, I got a very Dark Souls-like feel. Like, because they're just, they're just given up. They've been beaten down by everything around here. Uh, the company and the Xenomorph and everything else. You're constantly reminded of how much this weight has, that this event has had on these people of Sefastopol as you're going through. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, you hear everything going on, as, as I just mentioned, like as you crawl through, walk or run through the hallways. And, uh, and I think a lot of people know this, but <clears throat> the most prevalent thing when it comes to the oppression, is that mid-pitch whir sound about... It starts about quarter way through the game of a motor, and it's always around you as every mm. cam- camera follows your every movement throughout mm. the game as Wayland Jutani observes their little experiment as you're going through. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's all I have to say in terms of atmosphere because I, I want you guys to take it away. But, yeah, oppression. That's what this game's all about. And the atmosphere, they do so well with it. In, in conjunction with the audio. Yes. Great points all round. Um, I'm going to throw back to something we were talking about earlier to start off. My thoughts on atmosphere is that we're talking about the opening of the game. So you've arrived at the station, dilapidated, no one's about, nothing's really going on. You haven't encountered any enemies. Why would you be worried? 
uh, you're just investigating this strange situation, you know, as the character. You as the player know what game you've put on, you've turned on, so you know what's coming. So you press this button to call the tram, you wait for the tram, the music swells. There's nothing to be afraid of, there's no enemies, you haven't seen anyone. You're still weeing your pants. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's terrifying. You're only like 15 minutes into the game and nothing's happened. But it's terrifying even at that point, you know, because you know what's to come. Um, and again, speaking to what we said before, Kelsey mentioned this when we were talking about aesthetics, but it's remarkable that for such a long game, and it could be short, you could chop some chapters out maybe, but for the number of chapters this game has, the location variety is really good. Um Especially considering that a lot of the game takes place on this Sevastopol station. Um, and so, yeah, it's really good to be able to explore a bunch of different locations as you go through the game. All of which have their own different slice of atmosphere. You know, places like the hospital are particularly grim. Um, and then, yeah, the oppression's a great word with the uh, the more synth-focused um, areas and stuff like that. And then the spacewalk happens and all that. And of course, a special shout out to the fan surface flashback of uh, actually getting to go down, and you you know you basically just get to live out a scene from the film um, <laughs> and go and stare into an overmorph. Uh, it's cool that they put it in there. It doesn't overstay its welcome for me, and it just the atmosphere in that section is fantastic. Um, Steve, how do you feel about the atmosphere in isolation? It, it says testament to the, the sound design, the audio design, that every room has its... Well, not every room, but a lot of the rooms have their own unique identity and feel. Like, some rooms mm. can be just a, a completely different soundscape in terms of just the way you walk through it or the way the, the ambient noise is, that everything feels very interconnected. Uh, I, don't, right. I don't know how to describe it. It feels like it's a working physical place, and that helps build the mm. atmosphere to the fact that this is a real place that's been compromised. Uh, yeah, the fan service moments for me personally, that hive is in my nightmares now. You know, crawling through that damp, dark, wet place, and it feels tangible. Like in in in, in the most weirdly video game way, it feels tangible. I mean, that could ha- ha- be to the fact that Ripley's character model moves with a bit more weight than most. Not saying she's fat. Internet, calm down. I mean that she's got like a bit of a delay and a lag in that stopping your start right. makes it feel more real. Uh, yeah, no, it's. I don't want to say it's flawless, but it definitely feels right. It feels accurate, and like you said, the going through. I mean, especially the the, the wrecked ship as well. That every like the corridors feel unique and different to the the, the main ship in terms of the way that they sound or the yeah. way that you traverse them. It's it's very well done. Is what I'm saying in my uh, my not educated mind. Uh, yeah, basically the atmosphere is is really good. Is it perfect? No, because some some of the some of the corridors can sound a bit the same, some of them can feel a bit the same, but they're generally dressed up and have their own unique story to tell. Otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, Kelsey, what's your thoughts on the atmosphere? Uh, I can't, I'm with all of you. I'm going to be devil's avocado a little bit. Uh, so this game has some of the most extended periods of stress of any game I've possibly ever played. <laughs> and so, as James said, oppression. And as you said, Sai, even just, oh, I'll go press the elevator button and stand there. You're terrified, waiting, is something going to come and get me? It takes like two minutes for the elevator to arrive <laughs> yep. or whatever. So it's com- it's draw- it's so drawn out. The atmosphere, like Steve mentioned, lighting and environment and the audio all comes together to create this atmosphere. So you're constantly scared, or at least I was, and 
is and is that always a good thing for a game? I don't know. I think as long as you know what you're getting yourself in for, it this the atmosphere in this game is an experience that's kind of absolutely worth uh, you know having. And mm. my main takeaway is, I suppose that all those that clever clever use of sound and lighting and stuff, it always feels like the alien alien game, and there aren't many periods where you're not on edge. But is that it can be tiring and I don't I, I don't dislike that I don't know I just try and work it out in my head but I've never really been able to play this game for extended periods of time I think uh, probably an hour and a half is about the most I can put up with because it's quite affecting and yeah I don't know if that's a good way to go I'm leaning towards yes just by the way and in terms of creating the atmosphere it's just so very special and you know we mentioned playing it with the lights low and headphones on uh, I think the atmosphere and that this game creates in fact is so good that even if you're I know there's a VR version even if you're not playing it in VR it drops you into this world so well and gets mm. you about as close to that experience as VR without putting a headset on and for me that's yeah that is so much credit to this game and what they built through the environments that we've mentioned the variation environments the enemies the sound the audio everything is close to perfect very very close to perfect to create a very stressful very atmospheric experience and yeah i personally enjoy it i could see why it might be a bit much for some people yeah. um there is there is a period of the game where the alien isn't around, but then the robots are trying to kill you. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind swings of swings like, around Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you just gotta duck and dodge, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so incredibly stressful, but I like that. I lo- I do like to be stressed out. Um, I appreciate that some people don't, but yeah, what an experience uh, the atmosphere is. Um, yeah, to, to kind of back back you up as well. I I agree that. Some of the bits can be a little bit long in the tooth when it comes to the stress factor. But at the same time, when you watch me on stream, for instance, and I just remember this feeling now, when you when you bring that transit in, right, or you get to the 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 marshal's office or whatever, mm. I just you know, I exhale. I like <laughs> you know, I am I am pleased i just got through that i am happy so there's that which is like your reward (laughs) right um but at the same time it can be like i'm of the opinion and i did this during my first run as well when it came to the synths when this came to the synth section i love that section because i'm literally just parkouring everywhere (laughs) like and i get to like it's like oh wow i just played like three four hours of this game hiding for my life Mm. like and now i can just like you know, dance through the valleys, you know, and just run through the station, right, without any, you know, well, I mean, a little bit of care in the world because there are humans who can shoot at you um, until you get to that uh, that showroom. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, yeah, there are some where I can just, I did feel like my heart was just in in my throat at certain mm. points in this game several times. It's, I think that's the intended. It is, yeah. <laughs> it definitely is the intention. And like I say, it's. I'm not even really criticising it. It's just an observation. And I've heard, uh, I've heard people mention before that uh, you know, people have called this game too hard. I don't think the game is hard. I think it's just the oppression, like James says. I think that's what that is, and maybe that's what puts some people off. It's an interesting point, whether or not it's too hard. I mean. It wouldn't be the same game without the one-hit killing alien. Like, no. It's not 
the whole thing falls apart without it. That's the problem. Because I can sort of see the frustration that people might go through with the, oh, I've, you know, been killed again. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of part and parcel with the whole thing. But we're getting getting back. We're kind of spinning our wheels if we get back to that. The, the game is also quite kind of you, quite kind to you sometimes as well. In fact, I'm sure it's kind to you quite a few times that we don't know about, right? But in terms of uh, several times I've ran to a save point to try and get to the save point, and I know the Xenos around, and I know it heard me, and I can hear it coming. But if you get that save in, if you yeah. reload, the Xenomorph's not going to be there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also appreciate that the save points tell you if there's hostiles nearby, which sometimes is yeah. the only way to know for sure how close they are. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't a bad thing, save point. Thank you yeah. for the information. <laughs> um, I was just going to say a couple of other things before we move on, because I know we're going to get a story in a bit. Um, and Because uh, James talked about optimization earlier, and I just wanted to drop a fun fact. Uh, apparently... Uh, the best place this the, the best platform to play this game on in terms of visuals and how good it looks and optimization is the Nintendo Switch. Are you w- which is what? kind of unbelievable. So I recommend everybody go and watch Digital Foundry's tech review and they almost can't believe they're saying it, but some optimizations were made for the Switch version hmm. that all right, okay, you're on a smaller screen. Uh, that some of the lighting and shadows and things like that it brings this game right up to kind of a level that that not many of the other platforms reach so do check that out um and kind of visual related as well james i don't know you must know this and the question i had because as much as i love alien i'm not even sure so with uh, the xenomorph in this game uh, they added inverted knees to its legs uh, yeah because obviously in the original movie it's a person and it's just like human legs in here to help it run there's an inverted knee a bit like a i guess like a dinosaur does any of the xenomorphs have that in the world, or is this unique to Alien Isolation? Uh, oh no, they're they're all they're all like that because that's like the the peak running physique that you yeah. need on a on a xenomorph. Um, yeah, yeah. So they they put in that research. So if it's Dog <laughs> Alien, Alien Three, maybe probably the only one on film, right? Uh, yeah. Not generally in quote unquote canon, they were all reverse jointed, really. Yeah, because they're they're <laughs> yeah. all like they're all they're based on insects in a way. Yeah, right, and like ma- mainly ants, but also they they bring in like whatever their host is, you know. But yeah, they they also you know strive to evolve and progress and be the perfect organism, as we all know. Okay, let's. And, get... apparently, and apparently, you need inverted knees to, to do that. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's where we're going wrong. September 14th, 2137. Sevastopol, an outpost of progress by Julia Jones. An uncertain future. Siegson has now cut its losses and is set to abandon Sevastopol. This is yet another sign of retrenchment that is rife throughout the sector. Some days it is felt as if corporate pride was the only thing keeping this troubled station in orbit above KG-348. Living aboard this station today, it's abundantly clear that Siegson has gambled wildly with both its own investment and that of banking corps such as Geofund Investor. The ill-judged rush into space colonization, its hubris and its overexpansion, have cost our second-tier corporations dearly. Wayland yutani with its extensive financial and technological firepower, can weather these storms while its lesser rivals fall away. 
Even the company, however, must hear alarm bells ringing as it looks towards these fading orbital outposts. Wise ongoing investment in terraforming research technology looks increasingly shrewd as it watches each of these distant lights blink out. So the game is set in 2137, which makes it 15 years after the events of the original film. Um, starring, we've kind of touched on a lot of this as we've gone through it, but Amanda Ripley, who's the main character. She's the daughter of Ellen, as played by, by uh, Sigourney Weaver in the movies. Um, at this point, um, Ripley, from the, from the films, is, I guess, floating through space, right? So, for a very long time. And uh, so her daughter has grown up without her. Um, and always curious about that. She is informed that the flight recorder of the Nostromo, Ellen's previous ship, has been found. It's, it is now stored on Sevastopol Station. Uh, and so Am- Amanda, alongside uh, Samuels, who's a android supplied by Wed and Yutani, uh, go to retrieve it so that she can kind of find her own closure. Um, but all things then of course go terribly wrong on the station or in fact they already have gone terribly wrong to be more appropriate um so let's i guess just dive into what we think of the story characterization that kind of stuff um not necessarily but also included how you feel about it as part of the alien canon if you like um steve let's start with you how do you feel about the story of alien isolation plot uh, the, the general build-up is nice, especially at the start. I, I, I love the fact that Amanda feels like the closest we're going to get to Ethan Winters in space. And that's not a, that's not a negative, you know, because I like Ethan, remember, podcast listener. Uh, like very relatable, despite the fact that such a stressful situation is going on. Uh, it always feels like she's on the same wavelength, because I'm normally scared out of my wits too. Um, a little bit... Uh, the only issue I really have when it comes to voice acting is the uh, what, what's the name Taylor is it? They seem very monotonal yeah, compared to everybody else. Marlowe, for example, seems very like on the point, accurate about the situation, very stressed, very tired. Waits again, very tight. There's a lot of fatigue in this game. Now I think about it. Um, <laughs> is it Ricardo, the uh, the young chap who takes over after yeah. Waits dies? Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, feel bad for him. Uh, and and and, yeah, and and the way yeah. that they're portrayed, uh, yeah, Rip Cardo. yeah, yeah, Rip, Rip Ricardo. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the characters definitely build a decent story to get attached to. It just feels like, unfortunately, when it comes to Ripley, she gets like basically goes in, tries to find closure about her mother, gets denied said closure, goes through uh, the worst engineer's nightmare, gets a little payoff on the Anisa Dora James, yeah, yeah. And, and then she's basically. St- living out the end of the alien film mm. and it, you know and it, that's not necessarily a bad thing it just feels like Ripley's kind of being forced into a situation where she has to both get a little bit of character development and then she's living out a horror movie and then she gets a little bit more character development and then the horror movie finishes but it's a really good horror movie so I'm going to allow it <laughs> yeah do you know it's funny that you say Ethan Winters because arguably you could say that maybe Amanda yeah, is yeah <laughs> Ethan's Amanda Ripley. Yeah. She's lacking maybe a little bit of personality, but I kind of like that because it's a first-person perspective game and you're kind of a little bit of an avatar. She's got, you know, some spunk, you know, she she reacts to things in the way that you'd like. It's it's those Um, quiet, understated... Yeah, I love the stuff like that for sure. So yeah, I, I, I could see both sides of maybe there's some complaints that she's no patch on Ellen, but of course not. You know, she's not going to be afforded the, that kind of 
uh, time or it's not really that perspective so it totally works for me I can I can give a bit of perspective in terms of like how she reacts and stuff and what her personality's like. Um, so while I played the game, I was also reading the novel. Uh, naturally, I've read this. I think I've read the novel more than I've actually played the game. Um, <laughs> but um, she's had it rough, guys. Yeah. Like she's <laughs> like her life um, has been nothing but people effing her over constantly like she has been constantly trying to search for her well first she had to struggle to get out of a house a childhood household which was a struggle a real struggle then it was her being a poor person trying to get into a good school because she was a gifted mechanic slash engineer um and then her life was basically uh people coming to her saying i have because she's famous at this point semi-famous Waylon Jujani has plastered her all over uh, saying that we're trying to find your mother, you know, that they're using her as basically a, a, a mouthpiece even without her consent. She takes no money from Wayland Yutani, even though it's sitting there in a bank. Um, and people keep coming up to her and saying, I found information about your mom. I found information about your mom over years and years. Um, and every single one has led to her being uh, betrayed in mm-hmm. some way. Um, and then she got her own back. And then she learnt that uh to keep her mouth shut basically um because the longer you keep your mouth shut when you're speaking to con artists the longer they're going to try and trip over themselves right um that's the way she she kind of thinks so the way she conveys herself in alien isolation is a perfect kind of representation of that right at the beginning you get a really good representation of that with samuels Mm. um her like her saying to samuels it, like that she will go is a huge deal like yeah. because she has had so many people especially from a Wayland Jutani executive um but she but he, he he proved himself to her um and yeah so that's why she's kind of like this just to kind of just to you know for people who do Give feel she doesn't have personality yeah mm-hmm. a bit more context to her character I... um but I'll, I'll get more into like who she is later on because yeah. this is this is the beginning of her story pretty much for sure uh, it's cool that they used her character which was just kind of like a hanging question mark in the alien canon for a long time and, and you're right you know just that opening cutscene, the fact that she doesn't immediately jump at the offer uh is kind of sets the stage quite well so it's sort of suspicious and stuff like that for me the major story point that i just wanted to point out just how much i appreciate is the inclusion of Siegzen, you know, and Sevastopol as a station is super clever because, it, again, it's taking something that we know about the universe from the films with the synthetics and the droids um, and finding a way to spin that in a fashion that works for a video game. Oh, Siegzen are kind of like this failed competitor to Wayland yutani trying to make discount droid models. That's why they're not all that clever and they all look like, you know, generic robo-men as opposed to the synths of the yeah 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 <laughs> something like that gray man group so um so i have i have a little bit of insight into those into the synths since the seeks and just quickly sure um so the seeks and droids are made like that i mean there's the cheap parts and everything that's fair but during this time and i think we can all relate to this <laughs> especially with ai talk recently but people were very uncomfortable with how Wayland Jutani and hyperdyne in particular, were making synthetics mm-hmm. uh, to look like us. People were very, very uncomfortable with that. So Sikhs and why they were successful for the small amount of time they were, because they made these droids that looked very droid-like. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, 
Mm. Yeah, that's why they're like that. Oh, no. There you go. Even more uh, appreciation for it in that sense. But yeah, it's just a great way to come up with this is how we can insert another kind of enemy into the game that just ties so perfectly into that established law. Um, in terms of the general story, I don't really have any criticisms. I don't have... I'm not going to scream about it from the rooftops. It works very well. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't amazing, but it's good. It's definitely serviceable, and it works in terms of the full package. Nothing about it put me off by any means. I'm not complaining. Um, KDB, what do you think of the plot of Alien Isolation? Um, I'm going go to the, go to bat for it, to be honest. Cool, good. I think uh, this film... Well, first, I just want to say to listeners, like I'm, I'm campaigning for James to talk about this stuff at length and uh you know we hopefully we hear more of that in future because this context is obviously awesome uh but for me uh so you know it the game uses like plot threads and notes from the first couple of movies which is cool um with the first one taking precedent but for me this story about wanting closure which you mentioned Sai, that underlying motive of amanda kind Mm. of searching for her mother like that is where i latch on and not to be hyperbolic but you know, that kind of emotional human story for me is more affecting to me than the story of the original movie. And I love the original movie. It's a perfect film. It's possibly my favourite film of all time. Mm. But And one day we're going to talk about that, I think. But mm. this is a character-driven sequel, and poor Amanda Ripley is just essentially manipulated by Wayland yutani and you know they think she'll probably die sniffing around here and that'll be their problem done and dusted with and she's caught up in this plan to capture the alien and i just feel so sorry for her the entire time yeah. and you know you, the ai problem it brings up which i love robots are all well and good but once they have directives they do whatever it takes to follow them and even if that means killing all the humans that are a threat to the directive and i think the joes an inspired kind of choice for that and uh, because they just look so <laughs> like anti-human and emotionless mm. um, so uh, to have loads of them around is really super creepy um, and great for the world building like you mentioned Sai uh, yeah uh, it, it does get a little bit kind of fantastical the late the latter parts of the game there is maybe one too many explosions and giant drifting ships and it comes dangerously close to kind of being a bit too chaotic. I think Amanda survives like seven falls and ten explosions in this game. Um, But it manages to keep its grasp and retain the horror and emotion and there's just two key moments in particular I want to talk about where after a very long game uh, (laughs) things uh, get absolutely nailed again and the story for me uh, retains its footing. And the first one is the message from uh, her mother and just the way that that creeps up on you is kind of this huge kind of slap upside the head. And for me, I've played the game twice now, cried both times I heard it and it just stops me dead in my tracks. And, you know, this, my connection with that first movie might be a big part of that. And Mm. for me, it's one of the most emotional moments in gaming and it's literally a black screen with a waveform on it. And this is a credit to Sigourney Weaver's delivery, this kind of touching, affirming monologue she gives. And she says, my sweet, my sweetheart. And like, yeah, getting a lump in my throat already just thinking about it. And it feels like when you hear that, it's like, wow, you know, my mum had to blow her ship up. I might not make it out of this. And yeah, it's an incredibly powerful moment in the story for me. And the next one is when, uh, spoilers, when Ricardo dies, it's like this big blow where I thought, okay, I was go- he was going to make it out of here. And 
it brings it centers it back onto Ripley in the finale and mm. she's very much on her own and I'm so glad Steve mentioned Ethan Winters because uh, I've got that in my notes as well and I felt more like I was assuming the role of Amanda Ripley more than I did Ethan Winters in RE7 which we kind of know was that game's intention and yeah that shadow of Wayland Dutani in this this kind of you know, gives Umbrella a run for its money, yeah. this corporate yeah. conspiracy. You never actually see the guy in suit or, you know, guy in sunglasses, but I think it works having them a part of the story because it's just that constant set sure. of conspiracy and odds being stacked against the protagonist. And I'm not a Wayland yutani apologist, but their <laughs> ruthlessness is kind of like something I really, really love. Uh, just one final thing, I'll just, and I'll wrap it up. My only kind of real complaint, and I think, was it Steve potentially touched on it, is the ending is a bit it kind of verges on cliffhanger and after this lengthy story which was about closure you don't get as much closure as i would have liked Mm -hmm. and the floating ripley maybe we could have had a little time jump waking up in a med bay someone from Utani's there i don't know i feel like i feel like it's missing a final cutscene. but that being said it hits so many good notes for me needs a bit of trimming but that emotional family stuff corporate conspiracy killer robots yeah huge huge thumbs up for me do you know what i think some of my uh lukewarm feelings about it probably come from my issues with what i was saying about this concentrating of video game objectives getting in its own way a little bit but what you're saying there about it being the character driven sequel um and the way it ties a bunch of stuff up and the way it ties itself into a bunch of other things i tell you what here's a bold one for you perhaps uh, this is a better sequel to Alien than Aliens is. It is. So, there you go. It is. I agree. Um, cool. Right, James. Let's throw it to you. Story and any more lore bits and pieces that you want to sprinkle in. <laughs> I, I've have it, haven't you gone? The, the, did, did you want to go? Or have you already gone? I'm good. I don't know. I, I, that, okay. That's me. That's me. Said I've now taken the lid off. You can now. <laughs> <laughs> Expel. Are, are, are you sure? <laughs> um, I'll just sit back for twenty minutes, shall I? So, so there was so that so to call on what Kelsey said earlier on about there not being, um, uh, you know, like a like a Wesker esque character or like a big corpo dude because that always is. Mm. You know, like Car Jaber, for instance, and in a way Gorman, like uh, you know, uh, you know, by proxy. Um, there is in this game, and his name is Ransom, but you never see him. Um, he's in all of the, he's in all of the the, the logs. Like yeah. he's all he's constantly threatening people like Lingard and Waits and like all these people. He's and Froster and the, the Nisadora. He's always threatening them, threatening them, and doing that like corpo thing. Like uh, and also get me more paper clips. You know, he's just an all around uh, not nice person. Um, but yeah, that's so that's that's your guy. Like, if you need need another enemy, like another uh, bad guy, because he's in there, he just uh, takes a little bit. Of digging. Is he the um, um, rolled up newspaper guy? You know, in in the uh, the offices, the main offices. I'm not sure. Okay, because there's, there's a film nod, isn't there, where the the bit where Ash was trying to kill oh, yeah, with the yes. newspaper, someone's actually been killed by one that way. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, then here's your reference to the first alien. <laughs> yeah, amidst all these other ones. <laughs> it's even, I mean, before I go into the story, there's even like a point uh, right at the beginning of the game where I went, I was taking a tour around the Nisadora. I was like, and here's where Ash stuffed a magazine down Ripley's throat for some reason. 
<laughs> we don't know why. Um, yeah, because they they even speak about in the in the game and in the novel they talk about like the the sorry not the Anistora the Torrens, the Torrens is like almost a carbon copy of what their living quarters in the Nostromo. Um, yeah, that's what you saw. Anyway, um, so uh, first of all, this isn't a controversial opinion. I don't I don't think um, within the alien alien community, but um, people might raise an eyebrow outside of it but this game is the springboard to a new revival of the alien franchise um it happened eight years ago and we've had we had a little bit of no no time like after this level there was literally nothing that was released Mm. for like that of any substance for about four years until after this game um but yeah um due and this is all due to reinstating ellen Ripley's daughter as the new hero of this story and Disney calling you out Disney you need to be brave and you need to grab this plot um, mm. if you want to progress the franchise yep. or else 100%. I feel like I feel like everything they put forward if they just make up stuff it's just going to fall flat because it, it, it needs to be connected to the original law um, so Amanda Ripley she I'm going to be talking about some out of game stuff here because it's going to kind of go into what I'm going to talk about later but so Amanda Ripley, she spacewalked into unknown territory. She fought an army of people, synthetics, aliens, to find her mother because she knew, and that's important, she knew she was alive. And I know we know that she knew at the end of the game, but even beforehand she knew. And according to the to Alien Isol- to the Alien Isolation novel, she knew she was in cryosleep before she found out in in the uh, in the game. And before I go into the story of that, um, this is incredible because several early and modern comics, novels, and audio dramas, which are now considered canon, uh, talk about something called dreamers. It's a career where certain individuals can extend their unconscious self to consciousnesses, which is a hard word to say, elsewhere. Um, They don't affect the consciousness in any way. Um, but they sense what is around and is on the minds. Think of what a um, like a, a, a non-lucid dream is like. You see everything around you and the mood that you're in, or the vessel, the mood of the vessel you're in. Um, it is fairly uncontrolled though and not targeted. I know that sounds all really wild, but it's going to help me explain the next section. <laughs> so I'm not going to go too deep, but basically, the Ripleys, the Ripley family, are the first bloodline. Who has the ability to empathically link with other beings. Um, which is why Amanda Ripley knows her mother is alive. And why Ellen Ripley non-verbally communicates with the alien queen in Aliens. In the second movie. The I know they're out there somewhere trope is used a lot. And to be honest it's really tired and I'm, I'm fed up of it. But this freshens it up. And fits the theme of Alien with evolution and progress. No matter, no matter what. So that kind of fills in some gaps um, that people might have, like, oh, why is she doing this? Why is she, why is she putting herself at danger? Why is she trusting these people? Because she knows, she knows her mum is alive, and she wants to meet her mum again because her mum is everything to her. She would have been like five. She lost something like that, right? Very young. She was, she was very young. She, she lost her mum. Went off on this on this trip, um, and. She, Ellen didn't want to go. She did not want to go, but she had to because they need money. And again, this universe is oppressive. They needed this money to survive. 
her other parent was just not a very nice person. Um, they were, yeah, I don't want to go into it, but they were just not very nice. Um, but with all that said, the story of Alien Isolation, uh, with, yeah, with all of that previously said, all, all of like the story of Alien, Alien Isolation might make a bit more sense. Um, it's not just a regular family member searching for another purely due to hope. Although Amanda would have thought it was that because this is an early onset of uh, Empathic Link. Um, the story of Alien Isolation hits the same beats that every Alien movie and piece of Alien media does. It tends to come in five acts. You get the introduction, the discovery, the horror, then there's a grace period, and then then there's the real final act. Um, which is why I love the Alien franchise because they always have that little twist at the end. Mm. Um yeah, and Alien Isolation keeps those same story beats, kind of. Um, you get your introduction to the space station and its inhabitants and a really immersive tutorial level, which we spoke about earlier on. There's a discovery that the Anisadora came from LV-426 and Marlowe's wife became the pa- uh, patient zero, uh, who you see um, in the op room in uh, San Cristobal, um, which makes sense why the alien is around there, because that's where it came from. Yep. Um, then we get the horror, which is pretty prevalent throughout the game, <laughs> to be honest. Then there's that grace period of the alien being shot into KG-348 and maybe the end being in sight until you get the real final act of there being a hive and a queen that we don't see in the engineering section, which ends in you running for your life and escaping. Within all these story beats are also tinier examples, which is also something I love about this game. They're tinier examples of all of these acts within every few missions. Um, which is why, like, it feels samey sometimes, because you're getting, uh, you're getting all of these acts in every three to four missions, basically. Mm. Um, then there's the vaguety of the story, which was also dealt with really well. Um, Alien, the Alien universe itself is very vague, deliberately, only giving you morsels to try and bite on. Um, I remember folks arguing, arguing for like a full year on the internet about if there was an alien queen in Alien Isolation until Will Porter, the writer of Alien Isolation, confirmed that there was a queen there, but she was unseen. Hmm. Um, uh, And they did that to keep the survival horror aspect of the game or else it would have ruined kind of the pacing of like having a big boss fight. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah. I I love that decision. And in my opinion, that truly makes this a surviving a horror game rather than becoming a survival horror and then a shoot 'em up mm-hmm. which yeah. survival horrors tend to become um it made sense yeah just to it also made sense due to how rapid the hive developed of amorphs which Sai has got <laughs> pretty intimate with recently yeah intimate um, i don't know what you use that one. <laughs> <laughs> they take they uh yeah so they take a lot more time to develop um and for those that don't know ovomorphs are basically they can be created by any kind of xenomorph um, they use a human, well, not necessarily human, but they use a host to create a uh, an egg where a chest burster or rather a, a, a face hugger will mm. spawn. And it, there is theories that they will they will always spawn a queen uh, face hugger, which is one of the big buggers. It's one of the one. It's the one that's in um, Alien Three. Um, I think it's in some of the the deleted scenes. I think it might be in director's cut. Um, but yeah, there's like a buttload of eggs, so that must have been done by the Queen. Um, I also have a link here if you want to link that to people, to that interview. Um, so the game is really nail-biting up until the very end for me. Um, 
and this is going to be... I know I haven't really put a ton of cons into this game, but the end uh, where you're forced to do a QTE. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and on hard, guys, the button pressings are really narrow. I had to do it about five, six times, and the rest of the game is, like, really immersive, and even if you die, like, there's different approaches every time, but there's only one approach here. And it really took me out of the immersive experience mm. of that the game has been given to me for the like for the rest of the experience. Um, but yeah, when 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 I did this this first playthrough, uh, we didn't get anything in terms of story or anything when it came to the alien front for alien for another year uh, when I played it in 2016 until Alien Covenant, and we know how that went. <laughs> it didn't go very well, even though I I kind of like Covenant the more I watch Same. it. Same. Um, but in 2018, we started getting quality after quality stuff following Amanda, following Alien Isolation. So we brought up um, like what happened to her um, after, um, you know, after Alien Isolation. Like we saw that there was a spotlight that glided over her, um, and she was picked up. She was rescued. Um, we're not sure by who at the moment. Uh, I don't think it's probably going to be important to the story. But she got picked up and she got sent to a place called Mendel Mendel Station. And then her next adventures began, which I'm not going to go into. That alien blackout, James. Yes, Mendel Station. Yeah, yeah, with with blackout. And then there's there's the the comics, there's Zula Hendrix. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes after that. Um, And I don't know whether I should spoil... Uh, the new book that came out. Do you think I should? Probably not. <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't spoil it. Um, but there's there's some there's some pretty like illuminating stuff mm. in the in the new book, uh, Alien Colony War. Which you should all go read if you if you can give it a go. Um, yeah, uh, I love this story. Um, it, as I said at the beginning, it springboards uh, it, the Alien franchise itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda Ripley herself is the new hero. She needs to be. The focus. I'm seeing a lot of um, artists and authors. They are starting to basically wander off from the Ripley timeline, and they're basically bringing new people in, um, new characters, and that have no correlation to it. I think that's the wrong way to go. All right. Um, you were given this. You were given this amazing gift mm-hmm. of of alien isolation and Don't all of this. It. Basically. Exactly, all of this yeah. deep content. Mm. Um, exactly, yeah. Don't don't throw it away. It needs to be taken advantage of. Yeah, I completely know exactly what you mean by that, which is why I said don't don't spoil the book because I know there's plenty of alien fans out there listening. Obviously, the crossover is huge with Resident Evil, um, and anyone that may have played Alien Isolation on the lead up to this podcast, or listening to it, or decides to do on the back of this podcast. Uh, you know, may well be interested in following the story of Amanda from here on out because hopefully, like you say, that uh, plays a big part in the future of the Alien series in general. Um, James mentioned an interview there. Uh, I'll put that in the description of the podcast if you want to learn more about uh, the backstory and the story and stuff of Alienization. Um, cool. Should we move on to final conclusions then and wrap this this baby up? Mm. Cool. Um Kelsey, let's start with you. What are your final thoughts on Alien Isolation? Uh, Alien Isolation, I think, uh, 
might be responsible. Well, as James has said, responsible for saving the Alien franchise. Yeah, I think he's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. But it's also just kind of responsible for saving or at least refreshing the horror genre and in particular survival horror. Um, just before this game came out, the PT demo was released. And that in itself was kind of a glimpse of the potential for horror games to kind of once again, once again become mainstream. And we don't know how far along PT was or if a finished product was ever going to be any good. But what we did get is Alien Isolation. And uh, a week uh, after Alien Isolation came out, we got The Evil Within. Uh, please see our previous discussion on that <laughs> yeah. context. But my point is, <laughs> horror games are not really in a good place. And uh, from a personal perspective, I, I hadn't really been scared by a horror game maybe since Dead Space in 2008. But even that game didn't really t- touch the heights of terror that I got from like you know the original Resident Evils and Silent Hill. And Alien Isolation changed all that, and for the first time in a long time, I was very scared playing a video game, uh, both at launch and here, playing it again. Uh, we, we've talked about the atmosphere, the sound, the lighting, the environment it puts you in, the xenomorph that's better than any Alien game ever made. Uh, mm. All fantastic. Gameplay has a few fiddly moments. It's a little bit too long for me. They could have trimmed a mission or two. but and and that stuff it doesn't harm the experience too much uh it can be a little self-indulgent in that respect but i think outside of that this is still a pretty unique gaming experience even in 2022 and it it doesn't try to cater to mainstream popularity of games but what it does do well what it does do is it set out to make an alien game that best captured the feelings the style tone of that original classic movie and it without question does that so if you're a fan of the movie, you're probably going to love the game. Um, if you're not a fan of the movie, it's possible the game isn't for you. But I do encourage uh, anybody who's not played it in either case to give it a try because mm. Alien Isolation is an important gaming experience. And I think if it wasn't for Creative Assembly and the risks they took here, all out of love for Alien, then we may not have got, you know, so many other games, RE7, RE8, Dead by Daylight, Phasmophobia, just horror games are more popular now possibly than they've ever been. And I think we have Alien Isolation to thank for a lot of that. Uh, so I love the game. I truly, I do believe it is verging on some kind of very important cultural uh, kind of art piece. It's not a masterpiece, but I admire its purity. <laughs> Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I feel like I'm probably the most negative on this podcast, so hear me out and say this is easily the best licensed game we've had on First Day of Space so far for me. I think it's uh, definitely out of the, the horror game Pantheon, it's probably the, the licensed title to sit among them. You know, I, I would argue yeah, this, yeah, is a, sure. this is definitely, it deserves its seat at the table alongside your Silent Hill 2s your Resident Evil 4s, your Resident Evil 7s and whatnot. It, it may not be the best at the table, but it certainly isn't getting like dirty looks. You know, it's it's not perfect. There are some janky animations. There are some pacing issues. But it's definitely crafted with love. And I would argue that every time you see a working Joe in any other alien piece of media after this, it's because of this game. It's left a legacy, whether it be Amanda Ripley herself or in the way it was designed. I mean... I can fully attest to stuff that is in this has had bigger impact on uh, game design than I think it's been given credit for. Like it's it's full 3D sound, 
uh, the way the AI of the alien works is novel and very well encoded and arguably much more impressive than any stalker enemy ever. Maybe to its detriment, but uh, maybe not. It depends how much you can take it. If you're not an alien fan, I'd say your, your mileage may vary. If you're an alien fan, you've probably already played it, so why are you listening to this podcast? But if you haven't, <laughs> for whatever reason, play it. Uh, it's better than PT, by the way. Uh, I just wanted to shout that. I know KDB mentioned that earlier. PT gets way too much fan service and way too much love. Alien Isolation deserves that love. Doesn't it, Sega? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know... Big words. I'm inclined to agree with a lot of what you guys have said. I thought I was going to be the really grumpy one coming in here with my issues, but uh, uh, the discussion has definitely brought me around a little bit. Um, it is a hugely important game. I haven't played a lot of the many Alien games, but uh, talking about Isolation taking its seat at the table with the horror big boys, either way, I, I would wager its quality. It doesn't deserve to sit at the table with the rest of the Alien games. This is the single most important alien game i'm gonna guess it certainly feels like it and um, beloved by fans and as we've all said beloved by the people that made it um you can you can feel that it comes across completely if you don't like alien i still think you actually would enjoy this game it might be we talked about the length the length would probably be a problem if you don't like alien necessarily but there's a lot to love about that incredible ai and the wonderful atmosphere and world it creates and stuff like that um, yeah, you guys are pretty much put the nail on the head, I think. It doesn't get its just desserts, really, considering the games that have followed in its stead. Um, it's a shame that it doesn't get talked about quite as much as it should, um, or even the fact that it didn't get any real video game follow-ups. Um, I guess, at the end of the day, most people would rather just look at 2013's Colonial Marines and point and laugh than actually appreciate something good, which is probably a bigger, wider discussion, really, isn't it, about human nature? But, uh, yeah, Sodju Colonial Marines um, seems to have cast a strange shadow over the wonder that is Alien Isolation. As I said, I don't play a huge amount of horror games, um, but those I have played, I can count on my fingers the ones that have truly, truly affected me in that way where it's, I know, I think we said it before about RE7. I don't want to play it anymore. I'm too scared, but also I can't stop. Um, and my first go through with Alien Isolation was very much that feeling for a lot of it. So, yeah, big fan indeed. Uh, James, close us up. Final thoughts, Alien Isolation. <laughs> Uh, I promise this won't be long. <laughs> um, In four so, words. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's four words at the end. Okay, cool. Sweet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, I thought I was going to be pretty scathing of this game. Um, like, and I thought that the pacing was going to be the thing that was going to make it, was going to bring it down for me. Um, I thought that was going to overshadow all the good that is in this game Mm. um but having that second run that i had especially as you know a diehard fan of amanda ripley in particular uh and after reading all i've read in the past five six years um it's recolored this entire game for me um in my eyes and with my experience in survival horror games which is now pretty vast now i think about it um (laughs) didn't didn't used to be um (laughs) It is the best survival horror game there's ever been. It keeps to the truest sense of surviving a horror that I've (laughs) ever had the pleasure of playing. And I thank Creative Assembly 
and the community of the Alien fandom for helping in creating it. Because Creative Assembly themselves basically used AVP, which I've linked to to you, um, and a lot of other sites and wikis, uh, basically as a reference. It was a labor of love for them. They truly took on everything the fans said, which is why this game is so good. Um, So the world of Alien Isolation, it has reflections of our own in it, except it's like exaggerated, um, but in a different sense. Uh, And it's why it resonates with me so much. Um, I don't want to speak for other people, but Amanda Ripley and myself, we've also had incredibly similar upbringings. And to see her overcome such adversities over and over again, even if it's fiction, is something I look look up to. Long live Amanda Ripley. Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors and our Patreons once again. Support the show for as little as $1 a month to help us create more bonus content like this one over at patreon.com forward slash facebreakpod. You can also join the Discord server to get in touch with members of the team and our community, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's recorded. You can find a link to the server as well as our Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, etc. facebreakpod.com. And also you can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, spotify and itunes and if you enjoyed the show please do leave us a review where you can it helps spread the word thank you to the panel you can follow all of the pueblo people individually i'm at sinaiac underscore one two three steve is at fb steve was taken james is at moist owlet off and kelsey is at k underscore d underscore b underscore and finally thank you for listening and have a good week I think it's funny that multiple of us were like, oh, I feel like I'm going to be really horrible. Or I feel like I have been really horrible to escape. And then when we get to the conclusions, everyone's like, it's the best f***ing thing since sliced bread. <laughs> I mean, that, all complaints aside, my four-word review is, where's the f***ing sequel? Like, Right? How can that be? <laughs>